0: Let's take it to the edge Let's get deflected
1: Hey guys, I'm Dan Eastland with Dogwood Custom Knives, and I'm here with Kyle Daly of KH Daily Knives. And this is the Knife Perspective, episode number zero four three. The Blade Show wrap-up interview with a true visionary. How you doing tonight, Kyle? <laughs> That's pretty generous there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. It's uh it's been a pretty, pretty hectic week, uh, still kind of getting in the flow of this uh taking the boys to kindergarten, knife maker, full-time knife maker deal. But uh, it's coming together and uh, got a roofer lined up. We're still working on trying to get a date to get the exhaust through the roof for the heater.
1: Ah, That's probably and, important.
0: Yeah, the gas line's all in. So uh, one major hurdle down. And uh, yeah, uh, I've had a bunch of people message me. And they're like, are you going to run a forge off that too? And I was like, why don't people run a forge off that? Turns out that normal gas pressure for a house is between like a half a PSI to one PSI. Yeah. And for a forge, you need to have it be like evidently like five to eight PSI. So it doesn't have the pressure that a forge would need. So I was like, I I thought science. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was actually onto something there for a minute, but no such luck. So
1: what it's for, what it's worth back in the, when my boys were in kindergarten, sometimes you got to make a statement. And I would roll in just under the wire to pick them up, still in my shop clothes, covered in schmutz, my hands all black, in an old sob station wagon. I'd come in sideways with ska punk music blaring, and I would be that dad.
0: <laughs> I usually walk them to school, so it's uh, uh, not not that quite... Uh, yeah, and the, so the... They're elementary school, and apparently it's that way with like all the schools right now. So most all the schools are designed for a majority of the students to all be bused, right? Yeah. So with COVID now, lots of people don't want them to ride the bus. So now all the schools are having to rearrange their parking lots and try to figure things out to deal with this huge influx of all these cars of people picking up their kids and stuff like that. So.
1: It's- There's very few advantages to being male in this world, and one of them is stay at home dads have a ridiculously low bar. Okay. And I encourage you to take advantage of that. <laughs> like you can get away with damn near anything and they'll oh bless his heart. He's a stay at home dad. He's doing the best he can.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we're it's been fun having them and playing and uh it's it's hard to stay focused working in the garage when they're Uh, throwing the football and uh, my wife got him a little T-ball stand. So they've been hitting that and it's been, been fun playing with that. And, but I'm excited that the garage is going to have heat here soon and be ready for winter. And that'll take a big mental hurdle off of uh, everything.
1: Early on, once I picked up the boys, I mean, on the face, I talked about that. I was still working, but once I picked the kids up, my work day was done. Mm -hmm. Like I, I tried to still be productive, but I just wasn't. Yeah. Um, And you just kind of got to balance that out.
0: Yeah. It's really amazing how fast like 1245 to like three o'clock goes. Yeah. It's like
1: done. (laughs) Uh, For part of that, I was doing my apprenticeship. So I dropped them off at school and it was just blind luck that their school was five minutes away from Andy's when I was doing my apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. But it was amazing how quickly... Like, I would drop them off, walk into the shop, and it worked out perfectly because about the time I needed to go pick up my kids, Andy needed to wrap up to meet his kids coming off the bus. But, yeah, I would walk in, and it'd be like, lunch, done. Like, hey, where'd the day go?
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so uh, what are you working on?
1: Uh, so a big part of what I'm doing is catching up on back orders. I have... I have arguably let a few people down. I've always tried really hard. We knife makers are notoriously bad about communicating and making deadlines. So I've always tried to really communicate and make my deadlines. And with all the chaos that's been going on, injuries, etc., I've really have blown a couple of deadlines. So I, I kind of wrapped up my blade show West I had to pay for the booth knives and I'm working really hard on clearing those back orders. Right now it's some Kepharts. I got at least two more batches of those to do.
0: I saw, then, I saw Beth said you got a new Kephart model?
1: Yeah, I did. The, <laughs> <laughs> man, she's great for setting me up. <laughs> so the Kephart that Horace carried that was in the museum was a four-inch blade but the knife that Colclus brothers made was a five inch and all the, all the advertisements, everything has got a five inch blade. And there's been this huge argument over whether or not horse's blade broke and he reprofiled it, or if he intended it to be a four inch blade. Turns out I kind of like the four inch blade. It's a little more handy for me. The five inch blade, especially for where I live is a little more blade than I need for most of the tasks that I do. So I've started doing the Shodi, which is the Kephart 4-inch, which is what Horace carried, and then the 5-inch, so people can kind of decide for themselves. Okay. So, yeah, the the first two Shodis are coming out uh, next week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, those uh, have some pretty beautiful handles on it. That one resin cast one you have is really beautiful.
1: Thank you. I've, I've been sitting on that piece for a while. It was a little too short for the kitchen knives, um, and I've been waiting, like that was one of those handle sets that you set aside and you're like, one day the knife will speak to me. And I've probably had that handle set for a year and a half. And I started laying out handles and that one was like, oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? Oh, you want to be on this knife? <laughs> and it was kind of a, a, a perfect combination.
0: Yeah. I've got, uh, I've got a lot more handle material that's been around for a lot longer than
1: that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Like you know, sometimes you just got to wait for it to speak to you.
0: Or, or you just go, I'll never know when I'll find something like that again.
1: You know, I have impulse bought so much stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and I've got so much left over from my woodworking days too, that I'm like, oh no, I know the tree from the farm, from the hand family that that piece came from.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool on some of that stuff too.
1: Yeah. It's, sometimes it's the story as much as the knife.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we've got, uh, some of our sponsors, old town cutlery. Uh, they're a great, uh, distributor and dealer of dogwood, custom knives and cage daily knives. Lee and crew there do a great job with, uh, all that. And if you use uh, KP 10, you will get 10% off your order, which, uh, makes their great prices, even a better deal.
1: And not only do they sell the finished knives, but they sell the materials. Like I get, A lot of my adhesives, I get some of my handle materials from them. So, makers, if you want to do, like, buy a blade blank and get just enough to do one handle, or if you're a maker that's doing production, especially at 10% off, Mm -hmm. you get some really good pricing on their materials.
0: Yeah, you need to try this Odie's Oil stuff. Got it. Right Right here. Uh, It's the uh, Odie's Oil Universal Finish and Polish. I've been uh using that quite a bit lee told me about it and i did it on all my like shelves and stuff over here and then bought another uh thing of it a little bit goes a really long way and uh i like it uh it seems to go on like g10 and micarta quite a bit easier than the johnson's base wax that i was
1: using before um buffs them off and gives them that nice clean kind of sheen to it without the the residue
0: yeah well, I mean, yeah, you, I just put it on with my finger and then, uh, oh, and I then wipe it off a little bit and then let it dry for a little bit and then, then buff it a little bit just with the blue Scott, uh, Scott's paper towels. And, uh, yeah. that's worked, worked out great.
1: Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm about to, uh, I'm about to buy a bunch of G Flex from them. So I'll go ahead and get, uh, I'll give it a try.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, one of the other things that I saw that they had was some of the, like uh canvas micarta tube. So I'm going to try that on yeah. some of the, uh, some of my uh, pocket bush crafters here soon.
1: Um, I've gotten a couple of emails using the tubing that matches the, the canvas micarta. Mm-hmm. And I, use I I still get them every now and then, but I'd get messages of, I thought you were going to put a tube in this. There is look, <laughs> when you look in the hole, you don't see any steel. Yeah. There's, there's a Macarta tube, but it blends so perfectly, especially after you chamfer it, okay. that people won't even realize that the tube's there. <laughs> it just completely blends in.
0: Okay. Yeah, I got the brown tube, so I was kind of wanting to use it with, like, a darker wood to give it some contrast, but...
1: Oh, yeah, that would look cool, too.
0: I'm excited for that, so... um yeah, so check out Old Town Cutlery, and also uh, Lee wants you to know if you can misspell their name and not get to their website to let him know so he can buy another domain name. It's got like <laughs> a bunch of them. Um, and uh, Broadbeck Ironworks is our other great sponsor of the podcast. Uh, I know one of our friends, uh, Matt Burchette, bought a mega package. So he's uh, putting it together, loving it.
1: They've got a, a a freebie with it, don't they?
0: Yeah. So uh, on any of the grinder packages, if you use the discount code KP, uh, you get the Mareco Platen, which is a deeper wheel um, flat platen thing. Um, yeah. I've never had a problem with how deep the flat platen, like when you take the platen out for using yeah. the flat or the slack belt. You've never had a depth problem as no, well. I never hearing. have.
1: <laughs> You stay shallow, is it? Yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but um, the Marekko Platin has like a four-inch rubber wheel on the bottom and a two-inch wheel on the top, and it's extra deep. And (laughs) apparently for guys doing hidden tangs, being able to like flip it around and turn it around and not hit uh, that plate that holds the wheels uh, is a big advantage. So heard lots of good things about it, and uh, they uh, spent a bunch of time working on refining that. So, uh they also just dropped some of their prices too. Uh so they're incredible value for the money. Uh make sure you check
1: them out. Well, and they're four makers by makers kind of company.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Ryan and Vince, we had Vince on the show uh last episode and uh he was talking about how he met Ryan on Fortune Fire and they uh their business plan blossomed from there. So. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool yeah. No more
1: you want to know the story? Go here. Go listen to the episode. Yep. Uh,
0: and then um, on those Broadbeck grinders, you're going to need some awesome abrasives, and we can get you a, a good deal on an already great priced product. Uh, Phoenix Abrasives is doing a 10% off all orders. KP10 is the discount code for that. Make sure you check them out. Uh, we had them on the show too. So if you. I forget what the the number is. I should write it down in here. But uh if you have any questions on what belts listen to, to them them, all, Yeah, listen to them all. Um if you have any questions on what belts to use and stuff, make sure you check out that show and we break it all down. Dan was even frantically typing and writing down notes. So you know it's a good yeah. show when Dan stop and take notes during the middle of the show.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I was going to try to say something smart ass, but I was legitimately learning a lot on that episode. Yeah,
0: yeah. They uh, Ryan and Sean uh, did a great job, and uh, you can find uh, the other the other sponsors are always Cage Daily Knives and Dogwood Custom Knives, and you can find uh, all of our knives at Old Town Cutlery, like I said a little bit ago, and then you can also find Dan's uh, knives at a few more distributors, uh, Knife Center, great uh, company and website. Uh, for all sorts of knives, the knife house and the cook station for uh, dogwood
1: knives. So, you know, we had to have David Anderson on. We have had, I'm going to try. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to bug him. We have had him on. That would be a fun episode to have. We have had him on. Yeah. (laughs) We We should have him on We should have him on again. (laughs) That would be a fun fun episode.
0: (laughs) Alrighty. And then uh, you had a shout out for somebody.
1: I did uh, Mountain Hombre Forge, Hombre Mountain Hombre Forge. He's been a really strong supporter of the show, but I've really got—I just got to give him a little love. He has been preaching the good word about the knife perspective. Uh, he came down to the, uh, the little talk that we had at the Kismis- Kismiski Museum in uh, in South Carolina. And I was wrapping up the talk, and he was out in the audience. And as I was wrapping up, he like stopped everybody's like, "Hey, there's something y'all may not know. Um, Dan and another knife maker, Kyle, do this phenomenal podcast, and really was incredibly com- complimentary. But really appreciate the way he's been spreading the good word about us.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he's been a uh, been a great supporter, and I've loved talking with him on Instagram and stuff too. So Thanks a lot, uh, Mountain Ombre. And then uh, uh, one of the other guys that I want to give a shout out to is Jason Fry. Happened on him. Um, I had heard his name a few times, but didn't really know a whole lot about him. Uh, started talking to him through Instagram, and um, he's the he's the president of the Texas Knife Makers Guild, and he's on the the board for the National Knife Makers Guild uh super cool guy, and I told him I was
1: why is he talking to you yeah, I don't know
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was through the knife perspective account, so he was uh oh. he maybe thought it he maybe didn't know, but uh I told him that I was just getting started doing knife making full time and uh he generously sent me a book uh knife making hacks uh three hundred and eight three hundred and eighty four tips to make knives like the pros. I have sort of thumb through some of them there's some pretty good tips I'm gonna have to definitely read through the rest of the book thank you jason and uh look forward to putting some of the stuff some of the knives that he he makes are absolutely beautiful i mean it's crazy you know movie. if you use the
1: right cadence you can use that as a bedtime story for your kid <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: they're actually they're actually uh reading some now which is crazy
1: and i i remember that moment when alex could read better than i could and he just started reading the bedtime stories to jack and i okay that's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, he was really bright. On the other hand, we're just not going to talk about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How many times do you fall asleep before the end of the book?
1: Yeah, we're not going to talk about it.
0: <laughs> All righty. And then uh, we have uh, the knife, knife Guild watch.
1: Yep. So the South Carolina Custom Knife Neighbors Guild's next meeting is November 13th in Greenville, South Carolina at the Dogwood Custom Knives Shop. So, anyone within the sound of my voice, feel free to come join us. I've got at least two, probably three of my chefs are going to do dinner or lunch for us. So, I can guarantee that it'll be a phenomenal meal, and there'll be a handful of good demos. Unfortunately, or fortunately as the case may be, uh, the Georgia Custom Knife Makers Guild will also be doing their meeting on November 13th at Pops Knife Supplies. And then, as I've mentioned before, the uh, Roots of Revival, uh, which has been, uh, I think it's going to be a total of a four-month exhibit of South Carolina knife makers at the McKissick Museum. On November 6th, they have got another event, which is going to be really impressive. Uh, KJ uh, from Thunder Thunder Horse Knives. Taylor from, I think it's Taylor Grinds. You know he does the most phenomenal axe grinds. I mean, just hands down. From what I understand, he grinds all the knives for the guys that do like the or all the axes for the guys that do the lumberjack competitions. Hmm. Like he has got the science of axe grinding down to absolute perfection. Um, But he is of Cherokee descent, so he will be down. Uh, discussing some of the edge tools from the Cherokee Heritage. Okay, uh, he's also become quite an expert on war clubs. Okay, so I think he'll also be speaking on that. Very cool. Um, but all the links are uh, all the links for that will be in the show notes.
0: Yeah, uh, one of the one of the guild guild meetings that uh, is not going to be is already going to have happened by the time you listen to this. The Midwest Knife Makers Guild. October 23rd, uh, this Saturday, uh, in Mankato, um, hope, or I'll have to post some stuff up from, uh, to the night perspective thing, make sure you guys see it, but hopefully you guys had a great time there. Um, my wife's birthday is on Monday, so we're having a birthday party for her this weekend. So I, unfortunately, every se- time they have one, it seems like it's an time to make it up there. So,
1: yeah, but you enjoy sleeping in the bed, don't you?
0: Yeah yeah
1: <laughs> i do
0: and then um, uh looks like you misplaced one of your uh shout outs here
1: i did <laughs> God, man it's like i made the notes in the car while i've been all right I, I wasn't driving <laughs> never mind we're just gonna say that I, I may have put that in the wrong place
0: yeah so you got um, you got a shout out for a company you found out at blade show huh
1: i do because as we know i'm a fixed blade kind of guy I don't do a lot of folders and I certainly don't do pocket jewelry. I think the, the fanciest knife folding knife I carried was a Leol. Uh but I stumbled on Monterey Bay knives while I was at Blade Show West and they do a little double detent and they only had two on the table and I just bought those two. If they had five I would have bought all five. I I am in love with this little folder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's carbon fiber, and we all know I'm a carbon fiber whore. Okay. So the body is beautiful carbon fiber, and then it's a double detent, so it's not locking. It's kind of like a a slip joint. Okay. Which is fine for me. I mean, pocket knives are mostly about opening mail and cutting string. Occasionally make clean game with it, but I don't need a locking blade for everything I do.
0: Are you an apple cutter?
1: I am. And I will eat it right off the blade. (laughs) Nice. I give crappy advice, but I still will eat it right off the blade. (laughs) Uh, Um, And they do the blades in M390. Uh, I don't know about all their blades, but the ones I bought were M390. Beautifully ground, really well centered. The action is phenomenal. Uh, They're kind of turning me on to this whole folder thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Dan. And they're one of those companies that, you know, I don't want to de- delve too deep into Bladeshare West, but they don't come east and I get all the financial reasons why they don't. And if I had not gone to Bladeshare West, I'd have never heard of them. So it's just one of those things. It was great going to another coast to see some of those smaller makers, although they're not really that small, but some of the makers that are in, that are regional. Mm-hmm. So they were a really great company.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Loc- or Lacanico, Ray Lacanico, Lacanico. I'm not exactly sure how really? to say his last name. I've followed. Yeah, just like of- the
1: kid is not going to correct you.
0: Yeah. Um, I followed his work for quite a while. <laughs> I have one of his one of his Kaiser design stuff. And yeah, everything that I've seen from Monterey Bay looks great. And I've heard nothing but good stuff from him about him. Man, the
1: action on this thing is like glass. I mean just liquid smooth.
0: So is it still like a flipper or is it a,
1: yeah. So it's a, it's a flipper in that it's got a little spur that stands out that you can, you can action with your finger. It's not assisted opening. So, but it is so smooth that with just my finger, I can pop it open. So there's a detent that holds it closed, and then I can pop it open and there's a detent that hold it, holds it open so, using it is very similar to using, like, an old-school slip joint.
0: Okay. Um, but with a little yeah. bit of extra opening assist or uh, easiness, you don't have to use two hands to open it. Was what I mean.
1: Oh, no, not at all. I mean, you don't even really need to pop your wrist to open it. It's so smooth that with just the action of my finger, I can open it. And then once it's open, the detent catches and... I mean, if you hit the spine, it'll close. But like I said, it's like using a, a slip joint. Nice. I mean, it's not a locking blade, but you'd have to do something kind of foolish to close it on yourself.
0: Very cool. All right. Um, so the the whole main reason we're we're doing the show is to talk about some of the some of your experiences and stuff out at Blade Show West. And wait, um, wait, hang
1: on. I feel like you skipped something. What? And you took a whole section out no yeah no 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 no. hang on let me look
0: you talked about the, your, your guilds i just yeah, moved to monterey no, no, bay no. and i have up there
1: no dude you took a whole section out huh i i was gonna give the audience a chance to get to know me oh like we had i mean frick where the frick did that go we already
0: off? talked about that and you in the episode we did all about you
1: what you think? One episode is enough to cover all about me? <laughs> and you you really, really expect people? You know what? I'm correcting this. You really expect people to go all the way back to what? That was like episode four.
0: I think it was episode two. Two. Oh, that's right. Duke <laughs> Kaboom. You went first. I think you interviewed me first.
1: Well, I mean, I could see that. I'm the superior interviewer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you want to do the early years and how you met your wife and stuff again, or? Yeah, I was going to do early years. How oh. you met your wife? I just thought you yes. forgot to forgot to delete
1: that out. No, that was intentional. Oh, give people a <laughs> chance. I mean, they hear all about the Kyle Dan scale, but they don't know what the Dan side of that scale is. Yeah, we just re- a chance to find out. You know how I got into knife making, and
0: yeah, we recap it. <laughs> all right. So the your, uh you were saying that the the blade show west show is a little more kitchen knife focused and
1: no no, no. i was saying we need to talk about me <laughs> I, I clearly remember that oh i'm blowing past that
0: Woo. <laughs> all
1: right Not the only thing you've blown <laughs> uh what uh, i
0: haven't i've haven't okay, had a chance right, to yeah. use this for very long here we go oh i deleted it uh oh. oh, bummer <laughs>
1: Oh, did you just, did, did you just bleep me out again?
0: No, There's uh a, hold on. Uh,
1: Not safe for work. Bleep that. Can't use that.
0: <laughs> there we go. Yeah. David Anderson. See?
1: Yeah. He was the one that said that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop right there. That was him? Yeah. God, that's classic material. You know, <laughs> if I were capable of embarrassment, I'd feel a little bit right now.
0: Episode 16 way back. That was a
1: good episode.
0: Yeah. Um so, uh you want to explain what how it's a little more kitchen knife focused than Blade Show East?
1: Um well, so it's like Blade Show East but they focus on kitchen knives. <laughs> so like not so much the outdoor knives and the bushcraft knives which there were plenty of, but it was more kitchen knives.
0: Okay. So just the uh, the makers or they have more more of the kitchen production guys too or
1: um, I didn't see so much of the production. I saw a lot of mid tech and custom. Okay. The two shows kind of have developed their own flavor and the West coast show is, is kind of more kitchen focused, uh, to the point of there are some guys that came out from Vegas, some chefs that came out from Vegas, just looking for kitchen knives. So the, the the influence is more culinary focused on the, the blade West show, not so much on the production, but the mid tech and the custom guys were really well represented.
0: Okay. Very cool. Um, so it went from, uh, it was in, was it Seattle, Portland Portland Portland. last year. And this year it was
1: in long beach, long beach. um, Apart from the weather, which was a vast improvement, Long Beach facility was really nice, okay. um, and you didn't have to worry about all the rioting and stuff and things in Portland.
0: Was there rioting in Portland last time?
1: Uh, not last time, but apparently, um, apparently Portland couldn't guarantee things like site security. Okay which is kind of important if you're going to bring millions of dollars worth of product and people from all over the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you want to know those people aren't going to get jacked up.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and Portland couldn't guarantee that. Huh. And long beach is like, Hey, you have people from all over the world. You have a million dollars worth of product. We can guarantee you won't get jacked up.
0: <laughs> Very cool.
1: <laughs> um, and the, the new facility is really nice. It's a huge convention center with a hotel attached. And then around the convention center, there's a, um, you're not far from the beach. Like you can see the beach from the convention center. There's an aquarium. There's a really cool theater. There's a bunch of restaurants and stuff that you can do walking distance. Uh-huh. So we're east is kind of an island west. You can just park your car at the convention center, go to the hotel, and then there's plenty of stuff walking distance for okay. your wife to do while you're at the show.
0: Gotcha. Um, yeah. And it being just a Friday and Saturday show, you can still do some stuff on Sunday and not have to jet back right away.
1: Yeah. A, a couple of the makers that came with their family packed up on Saturday and then spent Sunday you know, going to the aquarium and seeing the sights and, and kind of doing Doing the tourist thing.
0: Yep. We've been uh, wanting to do Disneyland with uh, one of our boys is super, super duper into the Cars movie stuff. And Disneyland apparently mm-hmm. has like a whole section that they've recreated a lot of the like shops and stuff of Radiator Springs. So uh want to get over there before he loses his love of cars and goes crazy.
1: That's pretty awesome. And yeah, you're kind of in that golden age right now. Enjoy every moment that you can. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: So, uh, what were what were some of the the highlights that uh, from the show?
1: Well, I mean, first and foremost, there was Dogwood Custom Knives. Mm-hmm. Their tie table was freaking amazing. Yeah, um, I saw the had, one the
0: had, one and only Doug Ritter uh, sitting there in one of the pictures.
1: Yeah, um, I got kind of. Uh, I was fortunate enough that I kind of became home base. Um, for Doug and Ethan and a couple of the other guys, um, so I got the advantage of hanging out with them, cool, which was pretty fun, and you know Doug is doing the lord 's work mm-hmm. um so it was it was nice to be able to help him out in any little way I could
0: yeah, I saw uh the knife rates just got the was the Michigan law passed, Yep. yeah, congratulations, Doug. We should have had that
1: in shout outs, you <laughs> not. We'll do a whole show about it. <laughs> um, and there was actually, I got to see a lot of our people. Um, Flying shark came by. Um, I've, I've gotten outbid four times on his scales. I'm starting to get a little pissed off about it. <laughs> and then I, I did the whole, I'll take it. <laughs> and I got a message like, look, old man, I don't know if you noticed the four comments above you, but you're like 37 minutes late. <laughs> Um, Um, but he came out and said hi double x knives was there uh 73 forge came by and said hi uh the knife enthusiast uh warts made warts made you know not my strong suit (laughs) Uh, words mouth coming out um you're coming out i am it's time (laughs) for the world to know that I am just too bright and sparkly for this (laughs) tiny, tiny box you've tried to put me in. Uh, Nice. Uh, T. Frank Knives came by the table. And then, of course, uh, Julio from uh, Diaz Knives, who also had a table. He was out there with his family and his daughter owns him. It is so funny to watch him because, like, we'll be in the pit and stuff. And he's he's all he's a hard man. And then I'll see him on the show floor and his daughter will run up to him and he just completely melts. Like it, it, it is thoroughly entertaining to watch her just rack him around her finger.
0: Nice. He makes some really cool knives too. I like seeing his stuff at blade show East every time I go. He does
1: some really phenomenal Kydex
0: too. Mm-hmm. Is that how we got started in knives or. I think so. Okay. Um,
1: I know. We should uh, probably have that guy on sometime. You know, that's a good idea. Hey um, Kyle, add that to our list.
0: All right, got it.
1: Yeah, he's nice. doing... I actually
0: found our old list from when we were starting when I was moving. Kaboom! Yeah, that is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Podcast guests.
1: Um, yeah, I think if I remember correctly, he got started doing Kydex for a lot of the Becker patterns, and he branched out to several makers. He's done Kydex for a couple of mine as well. And then started making his own knives. And he does some really cool patterns.
0: Yeah. I think he's made some stuff for Todd Hunt also. Yeah. So, very cool. Um, so, the first day, Friday, um, I saw saw there were no bagpipes. Uh, I know I had to explain to you that uh, they usually do bagpipes at Blade Show East. But uh, you had no idea.
1: East, I'm so far back from the, the front entrance that I was oblivious. I happened to be right at the doors for this show, and it was really fascinating. Like, it was a 3-2-1. The doors got flung open, and a wall of people came at me. Like, briefly, it looked like a whole bunch of brides about to fight over that one dress. At East, it's like a plague of locusts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was tempted to duck under my table at West. I can only imagine what it's like to be in front of the doors for East. Yeah,
0: there were so many people doing the early bird stuff, they actually had to limit it because uh, uh, they were having so much demand for the East early bird stuff. Um,
1: and it was it was pretty hard and intense right there at the beginning of uh, for Friday for East because there are a lot of guys that they knew exactly what they wanted and they were racing in to make sure they got it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Although it was a really good Friday. Arguably... This is basically a brand new show. West has moved to a, a significantly different location. You know, they had to miss a year because of COVID. It, it was basically a new show. And for that, I had a surprisingly good Friday. Okay. People were coming to buy. Cool. Uh, and especially for you know, Friday afternoon, I figured how many people are going to take off work to come in but it was a really good crowd and it was a really social crowd Nice, um, um, and intense. I mean, hardcore enthusiasts, which those are my, those are our people. I enjoyed hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. It made for, it was a little bit of a long day because I was solo. So, yeah. you know, by like one o'clock I was doing the PP dance, looking for somebody that I vaguely recognized just to watch the table for me. Nice. Um, but it <laughs> made the time just blow by. <laughs> Nice.
0: So uh, more important question, what'd you eat for dinner on Friday? Did you go anywhere cool?
1: Uh, Friday, we went for Italian. Okay. Um, So part of the trade-off in being home base for Doug was uh, Doug's people made uh, dinner reservations for us. Nice. So it was a a really nice little Italian place. Um,
0: So are you a cream sauce guy or a tomato sauce
1: guy? Um. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I kind of got spoiled because I was there with Doug and Ethan, and I had Ethan ordering wine for me. Doug had made sure we got a really good table, so I was kind of – I got to be fat, dumb, and happy. Nice. Um, I just—I mean, I was so painfully full, I barely made it out to the street to get an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool.
0: Well, I'm glad you had a good time. And then uh, when did when it start on Saturday? Did it start early in the morning, or was it – more around noon or?
1: Uh, no, it was nine o'clock Saturday morning, okay. um, which was not on one hand, it was a little rough getting her up, but you know, it was on the floor floor by eight people came in by nine and it was nice because it was steady. Like there wasn't really a lull because you know how it is. You'll, you'll get through the morning high and there'll be a little bit of a lull and you're, you're just dead yeah this was pretty steady it was steady interactions um it was nice that it was really culinary focused chefs had traveled from surprising distances to come in looking (laughs) for chef's knives so it was also nice because i was talking to some really knowledgeable focused guys um so the crowd was awesome pretty steady I think I got out for a little while. Yeah, Saturday is when I got to find out about Monterey Bay Knives, walk around and see a few people. And it's a, I think it was 150 exhibitors, so it was larger than the auxiliary room at Blade Show. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously smaller than the big room, but it had a much more personal feel to it. Yeah. When people came back around the table, I was able to recognize them. Yeah, you know, so it it felt like you were getting to know people more, okay. which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Unfortunately, Saturday night was going to be the cutting competition, and that got canceled, which was kind of annoying because I mean, we spent—I was on the the committee for it, and I was excited. We completely reformatted it. We're doing it like blade sports. We had a course laid out. Each course was rather than being a chop was a different culinary cut and it was a a combination of stuff to challenge the skill of the chef and the quality of the knife and i'm really looking forward to seeing how because we've got the maker division so those guys we knew they were going to be coming with really quality steel but their skills may or may not be and then we had the cutter division which was open we had some chefs that were going to come in and I was really looking forward to seeing how a really quality knife and a less skilled hand would pair up to maybe a really skilled hand with, like, a Vitronox. Like, I was looking forward to that matchup. Yeah. But the, the added layers of COVID requirement after COVID requirement, it just it got too unwieldy, and we had to cancel the competition. That's a bummer. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to next year because one of the themes we're going to do is each year it's going to be a different culture. Like this year was going to be French. So it was all French culinary cuts. And then the following year might be Thai Thai. So it'd be typical cuts and foods that would be in a Thai kitchen. You
0: have to study up on some culinary cuisine.
1: Yeah. Well, and that was part of the, the that was part of the drive of this was, to give people a chance to highlight their skills, but also, Hey, you may have to learn an entirely different system than what you're comfortable with or an entirely different set of cuts. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm looking forward to, we will probably do French next year just because we've got everything laid out, but I'm looking forward to bringing in different cultural techniques because like when we do the Thai cuts, you might have an advantage using more of a a Chinese or Eastern style cleaver versus a Western style knife. Yep. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that evolves.
0: Yeah. Some of those like really small, like square stick cuts that they use a lot in Chinese and uh, Vietnamese and Japanese food, like uh, carrots and stuff like that. Those be pretty challenging to cut.
1: Yeah. Um, So, I, I'm excited about the direction that the cutting competition is going to start taking. Cool. And the, the doing it as a course, I think will be more exciting for the, the audience to watch.
0: Yeah. That's the bummer. It didn't, didn't get to happen.
1: Yeah. Cause uh, big hand Dave who we've had on, not only was he helping us lay out the course, but was going to MC. Okay. And I was looking forward to cause a lot of people don't know, but he was a radio personality as well. Like really? he is. Yeah, you put, give him a mic and turn him loose. He is yeah. a fascinating and entertaining guy to watch.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I'm hoping he'll do that for us next year.
0: Cool. So uh any other things you wanted to to highlight for the for the
1: show or You know, the pit area was it was really pretty cool. It it really reminded me of my early days of going to Blade. Like I was right there at the t- the just as it started to tip towards a really ginormous show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Ethan and I were hanging out and he kind of looked around. He's like, well, this isn't really the pit. I said, well, you know, Ethan, the, the pit wasn't the pit when I started going. And he kind of looked at me. And he's like, you know what? You're right. I can remember when everybody could fit in the little ring of the pit. It, it was really an amazing opportunity. I got to sit down with some the absolute gods of knife making who were sitting at a table either by themselves or with one or two people just hanging out because the crowd wasn't small. There weren't people everywhere. Like I, I got to sit down and dive deep with some of these guys, which you can't, you just can't do it East. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: East, you struggle to have a superficial conversation. Great to meet you. It's noisy. There's people everywhere. This was a smaller crowd and it, it really allowed for a more intimate, like old Blade Show, where you actually got to know people and could ask questions that that required a deep answer. Um, which I mean, you just can't do that now at, at East. So,
0: what are you doing to your dog over there? I was,
1: oh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Hmm. I, I, I don't know what Maja was doing, but Beth just opened the basement door and, and sent her down here. All right, <laughs> <I>, Eddie. <laughs> uh,
0: so you, got to, you got to talk to some pretty cool people.
1: Yeah. Um, um, Steve Schwartz was, was one of the men that I, I got to talk to. And it was kind of funny because his, his wife bought tweezers from me at the table and as I was walking by, she's like, Tweezer guy. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, my name's actually Dan, but yeah, screw it. <laughs> now that I know who you are, yeah, I'm Tweezer guy. <laughs> yeah. Very um, cool. And got some great introductions. And I mean, it was fascinating talk to him because he does some just off the charts, like next level to mass. Um, mm-hmm. And some of the forge welding stuff that he was talking about, like, I mean, I was back to taking notes because I was going to have to look some of that stuff up when I got back to the room. Yeah. Uh, it was a phenomenal opportunity. Very cool. Part of me kind of regrets talking too much about it because once it builds up like East, we're going to lose that, that intimate feel. But for that next couple of years, I've, I really enjoyed being in the pit. Yep. Um, but, but it's not a pit there. There, it's more of a terrace. But okay. it's a really cool area,
0: were you allowed to bring coolers and stuff, or um,
1: we probably could, but it wasn't that big yet. I mean, it was really like the old school pit where two bars and three waitresses were were covering everybody yeah. um,
0: I remember the first year I was there, they ran out of beer in the the hotel and they were like sending some of the bartenders to like go get it in their vehicles and like buy it yeah. at the liquor store. And uh, all the knife makers just went up to their own hotel rooms and brought down all their coolers. And they're like, well, I guess this is happening.
1: <laughs> oh, and the number of mason jars that got passed around that year.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty funny.
1: But that's Blade West in a nutshell.
0: Uh, I saw lots of good things. Alicia did a great job and her team. So make sure you uh, check it out.
1: it was It was surprisingly smooth, especially for a first year and I usually don't have to ship stuff because I have. I'm lucky enough to drive to East, mm-hmm. but I had to shift ship stuff in and out. And that was incredibly smooth. They were really on the ball for this one.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking about how, if, if I go next year, how I'm going to, I was thinking about just buying a, like a Pelican case with the foam and trying to put my knives and stuff in that and do it as like a checked bag or something.
1: Like, I shipped the stuff for the table, um, the cover, the the photos, the three-dimensional stuff for the table, mm-hmm. business cards, all that kind of stuff I shipped. And then the knives, what I've learned is I put it in my check bag, and I use clear Tupperware. I put the knives in a paper – I put the blade in a paper sleeve, and then I just fanfold them with uh, bubble wrap. I put it in clear Tupperware. I take the Tupperware clothes and I take my business card on one side and a list of everything that's in it on the other. And I have found that if TSA can just look inside of it and see it's just knives, they don't even open it up. Okay. Like because of the density, it'll, my bag will ding. They'll open my bag. They'll look at it. They'll go, okay, it's knives and Tupperware. Set it back in the bag and I'm off and they don't even open the tape.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I need to get with you and figure out what kind of Tupperware you have because most of mine I don't think will fit in a Tupperware. That well, it's on. less
1: culinary Tupperware and more like go to Walmart and get the, the 18 by 14 by 2 inch.
0: So it's a more like a pasta holding box or something? or I,
1: I, guess, I mean, it's Tupperware in that it's clear plastic, but I guess it's more like a, a plastic rubber, storage bin. Rubber Maybe made. Rubber made, but it's uh-huh. the clear. The key is that you can see through it. OK, um, because when I've shipped them, when I put them in boxes in my carry on or some other containers, they cut them open they pull everything out. They put it back in. But if I do it in the see through stuff, then they don't mess with it. They just look at it and put it back in them
0: Yeah, that's bag. why I was thinking about the Pelican case with the, the foam. If it just is a slit, you can like pick it up, look at it, put it right back
1: down. Um, and I know some of the guys I was I overheard some of the guys that do the like the really high end folders and stuff. They've had issues with TSA shipping locked cases. So like one guy's like, I have an old receiver from a pistol. So I put that in and do the shipping a firearm.
0: Mm-hmm. It, just hap- it just happens to have all sorts of knives in with the, the firearm.
1: Yeah. And the TSA is like, oh, okay. You're shipping a firearm and don't care about everything else. It's a locked container. No problem and that that streamlined them being able to ship in uh, locked containers. Okay. Because otherwise, for some reason, they just short-circuit on, it's a locked container, but it's not a firearm. I don't understand this. Yeah. So apparently the the hint that the old-timers were given was, I mean, even if it's a pellet gun, just something that's firearm-ish, put it in the case, ship it as though it is a firearm, and then just pile all your knives in. Okay. Um, nice. But, yeah, I've been fortunate, and partially because if you can take one of my 8-inch knives and stick it in your pocket and walk out, you know what? You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so security has been less of an issue for me. I imagine, like, folding knives and that kind of stuff, the guys that do $1,000 pocket knives.
0: Or more.
1: They, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was low-balling on that one. Um, it could be an issue because one of those can just slip into your pocket, but you're not slipping an eight inch chef's
0: knife in your pocket. Yep. Yeah. Or even some of the bushcraft knives, it's still still long enough that it's hard to deal with it.
1: Well, and I used to put the sheaths in my carry on bag and I'd put the knives in my check bag, because again, if you can put one of my knives in your pocket without a sheath and walk out with it, you can have it, dude. (laughs) <laughs> the hospital bills that you're about to pay, we're going to call that even, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: Anything else you want to talk about with the show? or
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, other than all of the reasons that you should buy Dogwood Knives for their superior metallurgy balance, uh, handle ergonomics. <laughs> no, in, in all honesty, it was a phenomenal show, especially considering it was a new venue. It was covid the amount of stuff that they had to overcome. I harped on it a little bit, but I really enjoyed on one hand, it was a small show. I don't want it to sound like a backhanded compliment, but the really small pit, I really enjoyed it. Like you could actually have conversations with people.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. It gets gets to be a little too loud. Um, What I was kind of glad I got to the pit at East a little bit later because the DJ guy that they had was a little too loud for me, but. Now I'm sounding like I'm a hundred years old.
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) at East I've gotten to where I go out to dinner, you know with one of a couple of groups, we'll go out to dinner and then I'll come back and do an hour or two late night in the pit. I'm old. God, I'm old. (laughs) And then go to bed rather than like hit the pit for six or seven hours. Yep. Um, and part of it is, yeah, I'm getting old, but part of it was you just can't have a conversation. It's, it's too loud. There's too many bump, people bumping elbows. I enjoy having that many enthusiasts around, but you can't you can't have a real conversation with people. Mm-hmm. And at West, you really could sit down and have a conversation beyond, hey, I like this. I like that. Here, have a drink. Okay, bye. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it harkens back to the old days of when it was an intimate show.
0: Yeah. Yeah, those are good, too. I know Tom Crynd and some of the Marker Maker guys have been talking about doing some more of these, like, trunk shows and stuff. Yeah. Where uh, they drive and it's, like, I don't know, 15, 20 people that uh, get kind of get together and do, like, a, a show at somebody's shop or something
1: you know and that would be awesome again because you can actually spend the time to get to know people.
0: Mhm. Uh you can keep in touch with the podcast at knifeperspective.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at knifeperspective on both the rep- or respective platforms and you can find the podcast pretty much everywhere. You can get in touch with Dan Eastland of Dogwood Custom Knives at Knives dot com, and he's Dogwood Custom Knives on Facebook and Instagram. You can get a hold of him via email at dan at Knives dot com, and you can get in touch with me, Kyle Daly of Cage Daily Knives at Knives dot com. Cage KH Daily Knives on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, doing a little bit more with the TikTok, doing some funny stuff. So you Talking? Uh, you dancing,
1: um, you doing the little not- dances.
0: Not dancing, but uh, (laughs) yeah, been doing some grinding stuff and want to try to try to have it be a little bit more work in progress, a little bit more like what I'm doing in the shop stuff. So
1: have you, I mean, so we've established I'm old. Like I thought TikTok was like 30, 45 second little vignettes. Is there, is there time to actually do like grinding stuff?
0: Yeah. I mean, you can do up to three minutes, I think. Oh, Okay. So that's when it cuts you off. Yeah, Lots of people do like a part one, part two, part three type thing, kind of like stack stuff together.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could absolutely show pulling a grind in three minutes.
0: Yeah, huh? And some people like just watch it. Like I put up a video of me profiling a blade and it got way more likes than I thought because people just like seeing the, the belt just eat through the steel. So.
1: Anything about that. But yeah, that is probably kind of cool.
0: Yep, for people that don't do that stuff every day, it's uh, it's a lot neater. Some of the stuff I forget that is neat. Yeah. <laughs> just because I see it so much. You but, know, it
1: might be fun to get a little titanium or something and start throwing some sparks just for the, mm-hmm. the wow factor.
0: Yeah, I I always like uh, doing some of the Damascus grinding because it just has so many more sparks. It's so much more fun to grind with all the sparks flying everywhere.
1: Oh, um, so doing the MidTech kitchen knives. Kind of a long story, but I wound up doing one sixteenth pins on those. Okay. And one of the one sixteenth rod materials that I could find really easily was uh was titanium from TIG welders. Okay. I got a rather dramatic lesson on really hot sparks combining with small particulates with a lot of oxygen. Okay. Um Grinding some handle materials, especially the synthetics, with titanium pins in them, sparks turned into a freaking jet engine. Like (laughs) the flame that shot out off the handle. Hmm. You know, the grinder's picking up all those small particulates, and it's throwing them enough so there's plenty of surface area and oxygen. And then those freaking white, hot titanium sparks would throw into the mix, Mm -hmm. and it would really look almost like a jet flame shooting off the handle pretty crazy um, the, i mean the first time i had to go and change my underwear the second <laughs> and third time i had an idea of what was going on and i could pull it off in time to so somewhere in there is a be careful lesson okay combined with a holy shit that was awesome <laughs> that's funny
0: cool yeah be careful when you're grinding titanium guys make sure you uh be mindful of the sparks and stuff <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I didn't appreciate how many and how hot it throws because I've gotten so used to dry grinding like the, the CPM stainless, which really just doesn't throw that much of a spark
0: or any really any spark.
1: Yeah, um, that that titanium lit me up. Yeah,
0: Yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, I, I hear zirconium is even even worse. Like, hmm. you should be like really like take a whole different set of safety precautions if you zirconium mental
1: note don't ever grind zirconium
0: <laughs> Alrighty, all right thanks everybody and hope you enjoyed the show and uh we'll we'll get back to you with you some more with you some more people
1: yeah uh i think we'll do hove next cool
0: sounds good good night everybody night guys well let's take it to the edge because that's what's expected in this discussion this is the night prospective. Let's get to the point. We're going to talk about our things now. Because that's what's expected.
1: Was that a screwdriver? No, it's a pick. Did you just stick an awl? All. Did you just stick an awl had, in your ear? I an itch. <laughs> that is, I can't tell if that's phenomenally awesome or stupid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, got, you got an itch, you got to scratch it. Yeah, no, I get it. Man. That's why I don't like the, <laughs> the super in-the-ear headphone stuff, is it makes my ears feel all weird, and I feel like I got to scratch them all the time.
1: Like when you used to climb the rope in gym class? What? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Back back to kitchen knives. Back to focus. Yeah. Okay. So...